Welcome to Rock Solid Ministries Frontline Servants Program, where we visit with men and women on the front lines of kingdom service. For more information about our free revival ministry or to explore more of our audio and video recordings, visit our website at www.rocksolidministries.org. Again, rocksolidministries.org. Our guest today is evangelist Evan Strickland of the Antioch Christian Church in Hickory, Mississippi. Evan, we've known each other since you were a preschooler. The first time I met you, you were running around the front yard uh, of your parents' home with your brother, your mom and dad, uh, Greg and Lori, who were uh, who now minister with us um, through Rock Solid Ministries, were serving the Daring Kansas Christian Church, where I was holding a revival well before my years with Rock Solid Ministries. That being the case, I know a little more about you than most folks I interview, but I know your journey with Christ will be interesting to our listeners, and I'm sure I'm going to learn many things about you that I don't already know. Uh, So, Brother Evan, tell us your story. Yeah. um, Well, yeah, I've I've been thinking about this because I I like listening to your your program, um, and I knew that you had planned on on having an interview with me, and... uh, but I don't know, like, I guess a lot of times people ask me how long I've been in ministry or how I got to where I was, and I don't really rightly know what to say. Because, <laughs> <laughs> you, I mean, you know, my, my parents and, and uh, getting really got to be involved in their ministry a lot as a, as a child, too. So, um, like you said, I'll just kind of tell you my story from the beginning. All right. Um, I uh, grew up in a Christian home, obviously. You know my, my parents well, and... Um, uh, in church every Sunday, Wednesday of my life, and, uh, and, and then some too, because I mean, there's there's a lot of work that goes on behind the scenes there, and, and I was just around for that. Um, but I remember, you know, as a child, if you would have asked me, um, do you do you love Jesus? And, you know, of course, you know that. You know, I was raised. In the truth, uh, I knew a lot about God. I knew a lot about the Scripture. Um, early on, um, my dad had a huge emphasis on the truth growing up. Uh, but I remember one day, um, specifically, where I was sitting in church listening to my dad preach, and um, uh, I, I'm not sure exactly what the passage was. I think it was one that you used just the other night, one of our services, Acts 22:16. Yeah, and and why do you wait? Rise up and be baptized, calling, washing away your sins, calling on His name. And um, I just remember over and over in the sermon, he just kept saying, "You know, some of you know what you ought to do. What are you waiting for?" And it was at that point I realized I'm still enemies with God. And wow! Even though I, even though I, I love God, I, I'm still at odds with God. And so um, I remember being terrified and looking at my mom, be like. I don't know what I'm waiting for. <laughs> she said, we'll go talk to your dad. I was like, okay. And I ran up front and I was like, dad, I don't know what I'm waiting for. And uh, he baptized me into Christ that day. And how old were you? Um, I don't really remember. I think I was uh, probably 10 or 11 Yeah. at the time. Um, but in, in hindsight, I think God was, was already preparing me for ministry. Um, I knew that I wanted to, to be in ministry. I didn't really know. Uh, what that would look like 
um, but he started placing people all around me who, in, in hindsight, I didn't, I didn't realize were so influential. Um, but I remember shortly after going to summer camp, and uh, Nancy Wilt from uh, Pioneer Bible Translators really invested a lot of time in me and started thinking about mission work. And uh, I think C.Y. Kim was at Mid-South oh. pretty, pretty soon after. And uh, I don't remember too much about that, but my parents thought I was pretty intrigued. And um, you've always been really encouraging towards towards ministry and really respected you. Like yeah, I said, when I first met you, I just thought you were a fun guy. Just, just a little kid. Yeah, then you got to know me and realized I wouldn't hear so much yeah, fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're, not, you're not so much fun, but I, I, uh, I, do, I do enjoy my time with you. Yeah, I always enjoy my time with you, too. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know what I mean. Anyway. Well, what, I did, what church were you at when you made your decision? Then? That was the Christview Christian Church. In, in South Haven. Right, up in South Haven. My dad preached there for a number of years. And... Um, but uh, also, uh, here a while back, you did an interview with John Wagnon. Yeah. Um, and it was at right about that same time where he was starting uh, New Discovery over in Hernando. And, and I'm, I just remember being kind of uh, around the table um, when uh, he and my dad and other guys were talking about the work that they were doing. And that kind of struck me as, you know, oh, I didn't ever think that you could ever do something like that. But yeah, uh, sure enough. And... And really, church planting um, has really shaped me over over time. It was from there that that my family moved to um, Southeast Kansas and started a church. And um, my dad really did a lot of discipleship with me. I don't know if he realizes that, but I remember him saying things like, "You know, it's not about your ability; it's about your availability. If uh, if you want to be used by God, make yourself available, and He'll use you." And um, so, I, you know, I really, really thought about that. I learned to love, um, learned to love lost people, um, learned to be, to be passionate about the gospel, and um, kind of rethink why the church does what it does, and um, really striving for, um, I guess, the, the extension of the kingdom rather than, rather than simply tradition. But, um, uh, you know, we, we had helped with uh, several new churches um, growing up. and uh, But I remember I really, uh, in, in school, especially in high school, you know, I was never one to get in a whole lot of trouble. Um, but I remember God was really calling me to make some hard decisions where, um, you know, I wasn't really... Uh, into um, the party scene, I guess you would say, um, and all the things that, that go with it, but my heart really wanted it. Um, and so I remember <laughs> one night especially um, being frustrated with just the conflict of what my heart wanted and, and knowing what God wanted for me. And I don't know if my parents ever ever knew this, but... I just, Uh-oh, yeah. <laughs> they're going to know it now. <laughs> yeah, they're about to. Um, but uh, I just left the house one night. It was, I think I was a junior in high school and... It was about two in the morning, and I just got up and started walking, and uh, was praying on the high school soccer field in Marshfield, Missouri, and <laughs> was finally just you know yelling at God, and I just felt like clear as day, um, Him say, "You can't be my son and want the things that you want. Um, you're going to have to make a decision." And so I was like, "Okay, all right," you know, and that was really what that was really a tipping point 
and my faith. And um, and I don't think your parents will mind that you snuck out to go pray. <laughs> to go pray. Yeah. <laughs> There's worse things that I could be doing, I suppose. Yeah. yeah. But um, uh, especially um, uh, that year, my junior year of high school, I started to try to evangelize uh, my friends at school and ended up leading a couple of my friends to Christ and, and baptizing them that year and, and I think maybe one of my se- couple of my senior year. And uh, it's crazy how that kind of stirs <coughs> up the church. You know, there's some people that were really excited about that. Some people were like, well, you know, you're just a high school kid. What gives you the right to, you know? Yeah. Isn't that, isn't that <laughs> to crazy? share the gospel. Yeah, you know? who are you? I mean, I'm 45, but I'm still not sharing it. Right, I mean, why are you? Right. <laughs> and, uh, um, but... Uh, can I can I say something, something that really impacted me? Um, I, I was, of course, holding revivals at Marshfield. Mm-hmm. And uh, one of the years I was there, we uh, never had less, in my mind, any night. We never had less than 25 teenagers at the revival. And the last night, we had over 60 teenagers out of 160-plus people in the service. Over 60 of them were teenagers. Mm-hmm. And I, I have a feeling that you had a lot to do with that, or at least a good part of it, and uh, possibly your brother as well. But yeah. y- you know, you... Um, well, you know, I, I appreciate that. I, I definitely tried. Um, but there, are, thinking back to to those years, there were a lot of kids my age that were we were uh, really lucky to have in the church. Um, all the older kids. Uh, came from really good Christian homes, and especially, I think they were kind of going through the same thing that that I was at that at that same time. We had a lot of really strong leaders in our in our youth group uh, that were not scared to <laughs> to share the gospel. With well, that was obvious that year of revival. It sure yeah, was. We had some um, bold, bold kids in that group, and you know, I, I still think fondly of of them today. Um. But after that, uh, I, I went to school at Ozark Christian College for a couple of years. I didn't graduate. Um, I knew that I, I wouldn't probably be able to afford to graduate, and so yeah. I took every Bible class and preaching class that I could. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> here, here recently, I was telling that to a friend. He's like, well, it sounded like you just wanted to do ministry. <laughs> yeah. And um, so, uh, and that, I guess, was the intent. Um, but uh, it was right about that time that I met my wife. Um, I was away at school and, um, uh, she was visiting back from Haiti. She was a a missionary in Haiti before I ever, ever met her, uh, which would be a great story for, for you guys to, to talk about here, you know, when you get the chance. I just learned a lot from her about it. I certainly hope to. She, she was very, very strong in, in her faith and, um, I think, we complement each other in the ways that, um, you know, I knew a lot about God on an academic level, uh, but her faith was so strong, it, and she holds she holds me accountable. <laughs> if you know something if, uh, of God or of His commands or His will, you you better do it and uh, and put what you know into practice. And and um, but she was always pushing me in in that way. But anyway, um, the leaders I it kind of seems like in hindsight the leaders of that church and my parents were kind of trying to set us up uh. while she was yeah it was kind of an arranged marriage would you do you think do <laughs> yeah you think? yeah um but um went down and visited her um 
the you know the the elders were like, well, you know, none of us have been out of the country, and and you have, so maybe you ought to go take inventory of your needs and and report back to the church. And so we got to spend a, a summer serving with with one another. And uh, I, I, as after I got back, I, I told my dad I, I should have just written for support and stayed, because and, and, I, I knew we that we wanted to be married. Um, pretty soon after that, and um, but I'd already I'd already um, made a commitment to come back and help with a church plant um, the next town over in Rogersville, yeah, Missouri as their youth minister on staff, and she got back. Um, I think that midway through that ministry, we were separated for about a year, and then when she got back in the country, we pretty immediately got married and. Um, she was a great help to me in, in that ministry as well. But it was always our, our intention to do mission work together, which, man, I don't, I don't even know how to talk about that, <laughs> that journey because it's been such a, a long and, and, and crazy journey. We've, we've looked at several different ministries in several different countries trying to figure out where to go. And uh, just about when we would almost move to a country, something would fall through, and, and we didn't, but... I don't. Uh, I, I don't want to get into calling names and all, but I remember the frustrations because we were praying for you that God would put you where you need to be. And some of the countries you were looking at, some of them were very dangerous yes. for Christian missionaries to be at. And I always admired that uh, you were ready to go, but it was the agencies that you yes. were working with. Mm-hmm that uh, they put so many restrictions or said, you're going to have to do this yeah. rather than or on top of evangelism. Mm-hmm. And evangelism is not your first thing, which is what you're an evangelist. Right. And and then about fundraising, that so much had to go to the organization. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I kept saying, what has happened to the fellowship of churches where guys used to, and I know they, they, they thought this would make it easier. Yeah. Because missionaries come home and they spend their entire time raising funds mm-hmm. as independent missionaries because that's what we are, independent churches. And, well, we do this, and you work through this agency, but it, it's become like a lot of denominations yeah. and where they're ruling the roost and saying, you can do this, you, can, you can't you can do that. Right. And uh, I've just always been very independent since I got into the Christian church uh, because it's it stands yeah. uh, dependent on Christ but independent from agencies, or at least it did. And uh, I, I was always of the thing, when I did new church work, I just said, I'm going to go do this. Right. And I went and raised the funds and, and didn't work through, uh, didn't do a lot of work through organizations. Some of them allowed me to be under their umbrella so I could raise the funds and right. things. But And I appreciate that. Yeah, that was helpful. But, and that was very helpful. But it was just more like, I'll just get out there and raise the funds because I know this is where I need to be. And... Mm-hmm. and uh, so I kind of got off on that a little bit. I know you're trying to no, be you're, you're trying right. to be polite and not and I, and I appreciate that. We want to be uh, Christian about it, but yeah, yeah. that was well, a frustration. You're right, though, and you know I'd kind of forgotten about that. But for our listeners, I, I don't think a lot of uh, supporters of ministries even think about things like that. Um, there, it, first of all, it was really hard. I remember we went to uh, the um, ICOM. Uh, conference. International Conference on Missions. Right. And we were we were looking we were hoping to find somebody there that could that could give us some direction on, on where to go and, and how to get there. Uh, but first of all what what really surprised me was 
almost all of the missions were really interested in doing some sort of humanitarian work, right. not necessarily the gospel. I remember getting really frustrated with one group um, who I had I had interned with in the past, um, liked their their team on the field, um, but uh, they said, "Well, what do you want to do?" <clears throat> and I was like. Um, uh, preach the word, make disciples, um, plant churches, you know, things of that nature. They, they were like, no, no, but what do you want to do? And, <laughs> and, uh, and, and I remember, you know, I had interned in China, and you can't just say that that's what you're going to do. Sure. They, they won't let you in the country. And so, I, and I told them, I was like, I understand that we're, we're going to need a platform. You tell me what I need to do. If I need to get like a, a nursing degree so that we can have a clinic or uh, an associates for teaching so that I can be a, an English teacher or something. You just let me know. Whatever I need to do to get in the country is fine. Um, but that's the goal that I want to have. And it was like that wasn't good enough. Like I had to have something that I was passionate about and it couldn't be re- just reaching the lost. Isn't that, isn't that sad? Yeah. That is sad. And I, I, I wanted to bring this out because I really believe a lot of our listeners and and the churches where they attend mm-hmm. uh, are supporting missions, and they don't really they've not dug deep. Maybe they've supported them for years, and many of them are very good missions. But we need to investigate the missions we're supporting Absolutely. and saying, are, mission, are are we supporting soul winners? Yeah. Are we supporting nothing wrong with humanitarian? If we say okay, we want to help this because we realize there's a humanitarian need there, sure. and we want to support that. But if we think we're supporting evangelism and we're not, oh. uh, if we're not hearing from the field about people coming to Christ or uh, people getting into Bible studies mm-hmm. so that eventually maybe it's a, a difficult field or whatever, then we might need to be thinking about where our mission funds are going. Right. And um, but the, the sad thing was it wasn't just that organization. I mean, we probably talked to, I don't know, probably seven or eight organizations that eventually turned us down for that reason. Because um, you're an evangelist. Yeah, because that's what I wanted to do. And um, there was, I mean, there was even another one that um, we were looking at working with in, in Romania, which, I mean, they do good humanitarian work. They work with a lot of orphanages. There's a, a home that they work with for uh, mentally disabled adults. Um, they're very generous. They do a lot of... Uh, um, building projects and uh, stuff like that, and but they had originally brought me on talking about being a church planter, um, and then when we got there, it, it just they they just couldn't get away from from the humanitarian stuff, and, and really wanted me to put all my my time towards that, um, until finally we were we were so frustrated. We like you said, I mean it was like. We had enough support raised. We were planning on going to Indonesia. Um, and I had enough money to move there. I had enough money to do my ministry. I had enough money to get back and forth. I had an emergency um, account set up for you know emergency evacuations or medical care or whatever we need. But uh, I couldn't afford to do all of that and pay the office what they wanted. Um, which I understand those office costs and, and right. stuff like that. And those guys were in there serving and, and didn't weren't raising support in and of themselves. Um, but then when you get into partnering organizations that also want the same fee, and it's like, wait, I thought this organization was doing that for me, and 
and it, it got to where they were wanting 27% of our, our support. Uh, and <laughs> I mean, it, this, the cost of living in this country was just unrealistically low. Like the, the American dollar would stretch so far there. I'm like, this is just ridiculous, you know? And so we ended up going independently. Um, it was right about the time that we threw up our hands with that. Um, we had, um, talked with, uh, Gillis Mullen with West Island Ministries about starting a church in Canada. And so we decided we we're going to go for it. And it just seemed like God started opening doors for us and, uh, things like we had the, uh, well, I, I'll, he, he stretched our faith a lot. I'll say that we, um, could not get the amount of support we needed. Uh, and yet somehow he was sustaining us on, you know, I, I remember I had a side gig engraving headstones, uh, with a friend. I didn't know that. I did <laughs> for, uh, for a little while. My, I had a friend up at the Christian church in Baldwin, uh, yeah. Brian Griffin. Thanks, Brian. You're, you're helpful. <laughs> Um, but he would call me and say, Hey, you want to make a little bit of money today? And just, you know, on, as he needed me, he would, he would have me come and help him with his equipment mm -hmm. as he was engraving. And so I would do that with him. Uh, I started playing regularly, playing music and singing at a coffee shop in the next town over. And, uh, I asked, <laughs> they said, you can put out tips. I said, they said, we can't afford to pay you, but if you come, we'll feed you and your family. <laughs> and I like, that was good enough. <laughs> and so, uh, um, and you know, and, and just answers to prayer. I remember there was a place in town that uh, had a bunch of extra sandwiches one time, and they just showed up at our door and, you know, we're going to have to throw these out. Do you want them? And we're like, absolutely. Because <laughs> we, were, we were wondering where our next meal was going to come from. But anyway, my wife and I were talking about going to Canada, and we couldn't get our support raised. And we thought, well, God's been sustaining us here. Why couldn't he do it there? And uh, yeah. we couldn't figure out our visas. Nobody knew how to get into Canada and Mississippi. Yeah. And um, uh, so, we again, we just got so frustrated. We prayed about it. And I was like, well, I'm just going to drive to the border and ask if I can come in. <laughs> <laughs> and they did. They let us in. <laughs> and so I, I told the... I, I packed up everything and started driving. And I got uh, plane tickets for <coughs> Courtney and Coraline and Atlas and... Um, Sent them, was flying them into Canada with the hope that, that they would let me in so that I could go pick them up. Wow. And, uh, you know, the, the Canadian border guards, they couldn't fathom, um, that people were just giving me money so that I could come do this. And, uh, no formal organization or anything, just out of the pockets of people of the church, which I think was a testimony to the church at that time with those border guards, but, uh, <laughs> I couldn't believe what I said. They, they asked me, they're like, so people are just sending you money to come and do this. What if that money stops coming? I said, well, if it stops coming, then I'll go home. And, uh, they're like, well, if you can't, if you can't, um, if you can't afford to live here, what makes you think you can afford to get back? And I didn't, was not thinking, maybe it was the Holy Spirit speaking for me, but I said, well, I'm pretty sure you'll find a way to get me home. <laughs> and it made me. Oh home. my gosh. We've crossed the border in Canada a lot. And, and, and that's the kind of remark that would keep, keep me out most oh, yeah. of the time. Yeah. yeah. And there was, there were a couple of guards that threw up their hands and threw their pins and they were so mad and they just kind of stormed off. And there was a, um, French Canadian guy there, really laid back guy, and he was like, "Well, yeah, that's true. <laughs> I mean, we'll get you out of here if, if, if you can't sustain yourself." So, um, 
so they let me in and uh I, I remember we were praying we knew when you were at the border and we were praying yeah yeah, yeah. and, and I, <laughs> I remember sending texts back to to courtney and my dad and to you guys and like okay here we go yeah we'll, we'll see how this works but um we did some uh good work there and um there's a, a helped in the establishment of mercy christian church uh, there in Newfoundland, and, and we still have uh, friends there that um, you know we don't we haven't seen since we left, but we still think of very fondly, and um, learned a lot about uh, just the proclamation of the gospel. I, I, there were there were times where, um, well, I'll, I'll back up. We were studying Acts in our church here recently, where. Uh, if you if you want to highlight this in your Bibles at home, it's really interesting. If you if you track all the passages that mention uh, the Holy Spirit, the gospel, salvation, persecution, they are almost always together. Uh, the Holy Spirit shows up and somebody starts preaching the gospel, and then people respond and they respond um, in obedience and they respond uh, in disobedience and and with with persecution oftentimes and I remember <clears throat> it wasn't too long after we got to Canada there were a few people um, that if they caught us at the store they'd tell us to get out of town they, they didn't want us there um, and there were you know there was a um, a priest up the road that started preaching that if he if anybody talked to us he'd make sure that they went to hell and uh, it was just a lot of a lot of pushback but then there were others that said, you know, but what this this gospel is not the gospel that we've heard, and they've they've started responding in obedience to that. And, um, we got to see a little bit of that, um, but uh, I know shortly after we left, Gillis um, had even more of a harvest uh, than we got to be around for. But um, learned a lot about discipleship there too. A lot of the church there. The priests will say they, they don't believe what they what they're preaching. There's a there's a guy that I spent a lot of time with discipling, and he didn't believe that the scriptures were inspired um, at all. Um, and uh, but through talking, um, kind of brought him to that conclusion. And we still we still talk online from from time to time, and he's come a long way. Uh, and I hope that he he makes a decision for Christ and. Uh, we've talked about this um, several times. I don't think he would be offended by me telling this. He's a he's a podcaster too. He he really oh. likes uh, that sort of things. But uh, regardless, was a, a friend of mine and um, really enjoyed sharing what I'm passionate about with him. Um, but anyway, we came back and uh, for a while. Oh, that was kind of a story in and of itself. I I was praying about the church in the United States. And um, just realizing some things about where it's strong, and but mostly where it's weak. And uh, I prayed to you know God if if you need somebody to be faithful with the gospel, you know, I'll I'll live and and die here in Canada or wherever you put me. But um, missions was always on my heart. But I said if you need somebody to be faithful with the gospel, send me home. And, and uh, we had talked to our youth minister Robert uh, here at the church. We had been praying that we would be able to work together soon, 
And I should have been more specific because I, I meant that I was going to start another church in Canada and I wanted him to come help me. <laughs> uh, but he, he said, you know, the same thing's been on my heart. So we started praying and it wasn't, um, it was just a, a month or so later that uh, they denied our our visa renewals to stay in Canada, which was not a hard visa to get renewed. Um I mean, 99.999% of the time, you can get an extension on it and get it renewed, no problem. Um, but they were, they were sending us home in a couple months. They found a way, huh? Yeah. And, um, and so uh, uh, I, I called Robert, and I said, uh, hey, you know, I don't really know what to do. Um, he and his wife, Wendy, they've always been good friends of ours last few years since we've known them um, good friends of ours that are supporters of ours that I was calling just as a friend and said uh, you know hey I don't I, <laughs> I don't have a job I don't have a house but I'm fixing that I have to leave here and uh, I don't really know what I'm going to do I can't ask people to keep supporting me I, I, I don't have a ministry here um, and he said uh, well our minister said today that he was going to retire can I bring your name up in our meeting tomorrow? And I said, absolutely, you can. <laughs> and so uh, it was kind of the intent um, that, you know, I would come here and preach for six months a year while I was looking around and trying to figure things out and while they were looking for a guy that they wanted to hire long-term. And it was about four months in. They said, well, why don't you just stay? And I was, I had already been talking about Courtney and they were like, well, you know, maybe I'll put my, my name in the hat for for staying long term and for a while you know I thought you know God am I am I giving up on my my calling to to missions or you know how, how do I reconcile this I, I've always felt called to to that ministry and I, I've realized that we have very much put unbiblical labels on different ministries Mm-hmm. I mean, you're not going to read the Bible and find the name missionary, <laughs> right? Or, uh, or a lot of other things. But I realized what I was called to do was be an evangelist, and and which is to proclaim the gospel to the lost. And uh, you can do that in the pulpit as a located minister. You can do that as a um, as the first one to a foreign field can do that in a lot of different ways but really started pouring over first and second timothy and titus um, and uh listening to paul's words to his protégés about what it means to be an evangelist and i thought you know there's a lot of things that i would prefer to do um and uh, a lot of things that the church has preferences on um but i could give on any of those but it's these things it's it's the preaching of the gospel it's it's right doctrine it's um, uh, realizing what church leaders should be it's caring for the, those that are less mature in the body of Christ that an evangelist is called to and um, I can I can get behind that and uh, yeah. that that really is my calling so I've been preaching here um, for almost two years, that feels odd to say, because uh, Courtney and I, uh, just through our story, I, I think we moved to a different state or country every year since we've been married. 
uh, for the first five or six years. And all the places you looked at and all the places you were, yeah. you ended up out in the woods in southern Mississippi, yeah. in the deep south. Yeah, just two, three hundred yeah. miles from where I was baptized, you know. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, uh, you know, but e- each season we were in, God's been teaching me um, that he has been teaching me. And uh, he's, he's used a lot of different whether it be trials or, or people that I run across to, to buff out rough edges and 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 sharpen me and uh, there I remember there's just different seasons where like in Canada you know I, I really felt like you know I know the basics of the gospel I, I can share that with somebody um, but coming to the realization if I ever leave here the church is gonna die with me if I don't really make a disciple. Right, um, and you know, not that the the kingdom rises or, or falls on our backs, but if we are not reproducing real disciples, there there is no church. And so, I, I really started to question: Okay, how do I how do I make a disciple that I can turn loose, like Paul turned Timothy loose, and say, you know, keep going, and um, and they can do that. And so, you know, that was one thing I learned there. Here, I'm I'm learning a lot about working with. Uh, with um, just a regular congregation um, or church leaders or uh, preaching every week. Right. <laughs> that, that's different because, you know, yeah. when in church startups, um, you can move really fast paced, which is a lot of fun. Yeah. Um, but it's really hard. And it, it means a lot to have uh, elders on board with me and um, Robert and Wendy also on staff. Working, even just working with the children um, to share the load and um, learned a lot about the church in that way too. So, um, in, in new church work, what I, I found is that you really, a lot of times you're doing it on your own. Mm-hmm. And you, uh, if you're starting with nothing, now a lot of guys, they start with a the church. They, they're a new church evangelist and they're starting with 300 given from another church. Yeah. Uh, that's I've never been in that position. It's always started with like me and my family and one other family or maybe two other families, and uh, you don't have you, you don't have the mature Christians usually. Mm-hmm. And as you grow, uh, you've got these new all these new babes in Christ, yeah. and they can't they can't step up and do a do a job that someone that's been a Christian for a long time. And I also found, and this is kind of interesting, uh, in our last. Well, no, when we were out in Colorado, we found that when new Christians turn two years old, you hit the terrible twos. Yeah. <laughs> and a lot of times they begin to think they know it all. Right. And they, and they begin to try to direct you mm-hmm. in, in, in areas that they don't know anything about. When we left New Church Work in Colorado, we moved to Oklahoma. And uh, it was an a, a established congregation and there was great relief. I didn't realize it was coming, but we got a great relief to have a couple of good elders. Yeah. And now they were not uh, they were not top elders who were going to build a big church. They were not, but they loved their church, yeah. and they would do anything to serve their church. Mm-hmm. And uh, two of the best guys I ever worked with. And like I say, they were not the type of guys that you'd say, "Well, these guys are going to go with me. And we're going to build a great big church." But they loved their church, and they ministered to their church, mm-hmm. and they were there for me, and they were there for their people. Mm-hmm. And uh, you don't have that when you're starting off new. Yeah, and you know, I think now 
some of the most encouraging guys that I have the pleasure of working with here are guys like that that is just like you know they they'll tell you themselves they don't always feel like they have the answers but but man they use their gifts the way that God has gifted them uh, it just hit me too that you you were on the mission field several times in short term missions but God put you in a church that now has an elder who served missions all over the world. Yes, yeah, yeah. He's, <laughs> brother, he's given me a lot of encouragement. Brother West, and we're we're hoping this week during the revival to interview Brother West. Yeah, too. he'd be a good person to talk to. Yeah, yeah, we, we're, we're planning. We're supposed to do that today and didn't get it done, but we're going we're gonna to get that done, Lord willing, yeah, before so the end of the re- revival. Yeah, funny that you should, you should bring that up. I think one of the ministries that I had the most fun with was the most fulfilling and got me really excited about the gospel. Um, when I was in college, hadn't graduated, well, I never did graduate, but <laughs> before I ran out of money, uh, I, um, but not enthusiasm no, no, and vision to serve the Lord. Right. That's right. Just, just the money. Yeah. I just don't have the money. So, uh, anyway, there were a few of our, just a few friends of me who just, you know, eager to, to serve the Lord and win the lost. And is is me and two, three other guys. Uh, there's a neighboring University, Pitt State University over in Kansas, is yeah. just over the state line, have a huge number of international students. Um, they're a little little town, little university, kind of out in the middle of nowhere. A lot of international students go there to learn English because their English program is so good, and then go to Ivy League schools. And just anyway, but a lot of international kids, and uh, we had heard uh, out of international students coming to the U.S. You know, for a four-year program, um, only 20% of them ever see the inside of an American home. Yes, I've and, heard that. And and they're, they're super, uh, I would say, low-hanging fruit because they're here and they just they want to learn and they want to learn uh, not only their studies but about American culture and to them that means Christianity a lot of the time. And so they'll just sit and listen to anything that you want to tell them. Yeah. And uh, we, so we decided, you know, we're going to pray together and we're going to ask God to put a story from the gospel on our heart and then we're going to go find people and we're just going to tell them the story. And uh, we started doing that and pretty soon we found some people that were really receptive that wanted to hear more stories and pretty soon there were a lot of those people and uh, there was one girl um, that was going to school there who was not a Christian, but she was very intrigued um, and uh, opened up her home. She said, can you come in and tell me more of these stories on a weekly basis? And so we said, yeah, <laughs> of course. <laughs> and uh, pretty soon she was, I think she was maybe the first person that we baptized off off campus. And, um, and she's in in ministry now she works uh as a graphic design artist for one of the ministries there in joplin uh but anyway it we just kind of started telling people uh well we're doing it we're we're telling these stories over at this house on, on just off campus every week anyway and i think it was within one school semester there were about um 60 70 kids just showing up just wow. to hear these stories about Jesus. And um, and like you said, it, it, <laughs> it, it started to become 
more than any one of us could handle. And so uh, me and a good friend of mine now is working on the mission field at Aeronautic. Uh, he and I and a couple others started taking turns kind of teaching and preaching and out of this house. And um, I remember, I, I, I say Aaron, there were, there were others there involved, but Aaron and I were, we were, we were kind of a tag team. We liked to go and visit people together and, um, and, uh, just share the gospel with each other. We complimented each other well, but, uh, you know, I, I was talking with somebody a while back and realized that they go to Ozark and we knew some of the, some of the same people. And this is, you know, six or seven years later. And um, just kind of getting to know them and what they did and who they know and what they like to do. And they said, there's this group at Pitt State that that meets every week. And, um, you know, we take communion together and, and we share stories from the Word. And um, we're evangelizing the lost there. And um, <laughs> it turns out it's it's the same group, you know. And I didn't know that, but wow, we had... We had succeeded in, in making disciples who made disciples and uh, wow one of the churches there they said uh hey we, we realize what you're doing there's there's a good ministry there do you want some money for it we'll we'll, we'll back you and, and help you with whatever you're doing a uh, really big church there in joplin and uh we said we'll we'll have access to your elders if you don't mind um so that we can talk because we don't necessarily know how to do this but um I said, but right now this is reproducible, and uh, we want to teach our people to to reproduce their their faith. And so, um, if we don't need it, then we don't we don't want it. And so, uh, I guess they're they're still doing that. And you know, I'm, I'm proud of that that group of believers for continuing to make disciples. And it's, I had no idea, you know, years later that they were still doing that. But interesting. Sometimes work that we do, we never. Sometimes we'll never know until okay. we get to heaven, mm-hmm. and uh, you've you've got to to look back and see something that has flourished and done well, and that just came out of an idea of well, let's just go over there and start telling Jesus stories. Yeah, yeah and, it's as simple as that. And I really believe what you you've touched on here. Foreign missions come to us. Yeah, and and uh, we don't we don't have to tell them at the border. You can kick me out if you can't mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. make money. <laughs> Beth and I have talked. Many times, if we ever retire, and you see me putting that in quotations here, as our, as our listeners can't see it, we've talked about uh, buying a, a house near the campus of a university or just a college that has that, that has a reputation of having foreign students, mm-hmm. and just inviting them in because they don't go home for Thanksgiving, yeah. inviting them in for Thanksgiving dinner, mm-hmm. inviting them in for for uh, Christmas, mm-hmm. and uh, and and just sharing Jesus stories with them and. And inviting them on certain nights for cookies and mm-hmm. things, and we've talked about that would be a good way because you know, uh, well, this is just an old couple. They're just old people. What what harm can they be? They just want anyone give me cookies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, I know that sounds a little bit, you know, <laughs> but but that's that's a way. And and the best evangelism fields that we have in this country really are new church work and the college campus. Mm-hmm. I mean, they really are. And but. We need people to do these, and some of these people are going to come out of churches right. in the deep south, uh-huh. in the woods, yeah. <laughs> and we need guys like you in these churches too, who are training guys to preach. Yeah, why don't you tell us a little bit about that? 
Yeah, uh, that was a that was a conviction that I had here a while back, and um, you know, as I'm as I'm here in, in this church, and uh, I was trying to use the gifts that I had, and so Robert and Wendy and Courtney and I, we we wanted to do more evangelism, um, outreach type stuff, and and we definitely still want to do that, but it wasn't too long into that where I realized. Um, if it's just me doing these things, we are not gonna reach people or mature people or disciple people or grow the church past what I can handle. Um, so again, you have to start making real disciples, and uh, um, because you know the Spirit gifts each of us in different ways, and and will really round out the body. God will round out the body of Christ Himself. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I thought, like, well, how do you make disciples? And I was like, well, what do I do? Like, what can what can I offer? And um, started praying about that. And a lot of the younger boys in the congregation started getting my attention. And uh, so I started talking about, you know, like, hey, if, would you ever want to learn to preach? And uh, surprisingly, they all said yes. <laughs> and so... Or their parents made them. I don't know. <laughs> but uh, anyway, but there were, I have four boys right now, all between the ages of um, 10 and 12. Uh, coincidentally, right about the same age that I started thinking about ministry. Um, that uh, we we meet together and we, um, we do some spiritual discipline type things, uh, memory work and memorizing scripture. Uh, we're in the scripture daily, um, and we're we're trying to to learn how to to preach together and and to teach preaching. We, this was just our our kind of first semester of, of trying something like that, and there's a lot of things that we could change. But I was really happy because each one of them um, got up here recently and gave a a good communion meditation, mm-hmm. and um, you know not polished and. Uh, uh, not not fancy by any means, but they got all the basics and um, all the really needed things that are often really just kind of overlooked by guys that that do communion meditation right. regularly anyway. But they did a good job, and I'm proud of them. And uh, there's a there's it was a uh, right about the time I was preaching a sermon series, kind of based off of uh, some of our restoration principles. Uh, different sayings and, and you know right. different restoration sayings were kind of the titles of the sermon and um i was preaching on different passages of scripture and you know no book but the bible no creed but christ um, right things like that and and uh i remember somebody stopped me at a fellowship dinner and they were they were frustrated and um they said uh did did you and the boys meet in the fellowship hall this week? And I said, well, yeah, we usually do. And uh, they said, uh, well, you need to tell them to stop writing all over the tables. And, you know, I, I don't doubt that they were writing on the tables, but, you know, I was kind of playing uh, devil's advocate a little bit. And I was like, well, how do you, how do you know that it's them? And they said, well, they're, they're writing, you know, these things. I said, well, what did, what did they write? And uh, they said, uh, 
no creed but Christ, no book but the Bible. <laughs> and I couldn't even act like I was mad. I was, I, I thought that was hilarious. You know, go get them, boys. You know, like, there, there could be a lot worse things that our junior high boys could be writing on tables. But that's true. Yeah, but I was, I was proud of them. They're doing, they're doing a good job, and um, we don't really know exactly what we're doing, but we're trying and uh, trying to follow after God in that way. Someday that that. Uh... That table may be in a museum, some so. famous preacher <laughs> who right. preached to thousands and thousands. Well, he wrote this on this table, you yeah, know. This it was uh, Maddox Jackson. Oh, oh, you're going to put his name out there? He, uh, he wrote that, and, and I, I, don't, <coughs> I don't care in the least that he did. I'm proud of him. Um, but, you know, especially as we talk about preaching the word, man, I, I didn't realize, A, how long, how hard it is to find preachers in general but preachers that will preach the word and uh in an uncompromising in an uncompromising uh, way and um you know i was thinking going back to you know whether we see fruits of our ministry or not um it it can it can be really easy to say um that you know we're going to do certain things because we see certain fruits, but we're we're not commanded to to preach for the sake of of fruit. Um, that's always good. It's always encouraging. Of course, we want people to respond. But I was reading in Ezekiel here a while back, and um, there's a, I don't even remember the passage, but God says to Ezekiel, "You will speak my word to them, whether they hear." or whether they refuse to hear for their rebellious house. And, uh, man, I could go on and on about the power of the word, just unleashing the word to do its work. But that's all preachers are, are commanded to do, is to is to be faithful to the word, uh, regardless of how people respond to our message. And, uh, you know, if, if I'm, if I'm going to be held accountable for... Um, the number of people that, that respond or the number of people that uh, are baptized. Uh, I, I don't know if I want that responsibility, but knowing that the word works in and of itself and all I have to do is, is turn it loose in front of people, uh, well, that's something that I can do. I can continually preach and, and uh, just and rely on the power of, of God himself to accomplish the purposes that the word sets out to do. Wow, that's good. I, I think you know me, and you know how important evangelism has been to me throughout my life and soul winning personally and the invitation time during yes. church services. Mm-hmm. And, 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 and nobody, hardly anybody offers invitations, and oh, that, that frustrates me. <laughs> but you know, the thing is, even when, the, even when we give an invitation and people do not respond, uh, something that's come to my understanding uh, as I've gotten older than I have is that um, it's not I don't I, I don't preach though my preaching is to share the gospel and to invite people my preaching is not to win people to Christ my preaching is to glorify God mm-hmm. and if my preaching glorifies God People will come to Christ yeah. in His time, and so don't be frustrated. 
at invitation time or when you're sitting in someone's home and they decide not to. Well, the fact is that... They may already know God and they don't care. Yeah. You know? And, and the fact is that whether whether you see response or whether you don't or whether somebody walks an aisle or makes a decision where they are to, to repent of, of, of whatever or to, to act in a certain way, um, there is always a response. Yeah. It, it, you know... Rejection is a response. Mm-hmm. That's right. Um, and there, you know, as a as a preacher, you know, people often talk to you in a certain context all the time, and you don't get to see a lot of their other parts of life. But you know, every now and then, I'll stumble across somebody in the church. Who's like, you know, I had no idea that you were progressing so much in this area that you have. Mm-hmm. And um, it, <laughs> that's what I've been preaching about for <laughs> the, whole, <laughs> the last you know month and a half. You know, and and. It's like, yeah, imagine that somebody's actually, this is actually changing somebody's life. Yeah. Well, you know what we've said for a long time, we see a lot of people walk out in rock solid revivals, uh-huh. but if nobody walks out in, in a revival, an entire week of revival, and that happens, sometimes that may happen four, five, six revivals in a row. Mm-hmm. If people come up to us afterwards and they say, that was good for me, yeah. this is what I'm going to do, mm-hmm. well, that's that's a, a good revival yeah. because people are seeing the need for change and you hear me say it all the time challenge is good change is better yeah and that's what we're looking for is change i don't i don't want to know if you're challenged right. i want to know are you changed <laughs> you know i think it was uh maybe maybe a story my dad was telling me i think it was him but um Somebody in one of his ministries is a, had, was famous for saying, "Well, it's you know, it's a, a lot of good stuff to think about. You know, it's a, I really cha- you know, like the challenge, like right. you're saying, it's a lot, of, lot to think about. And uh, you know, but the word doesn't give us things to think about; it gives us things to respond to. Yeah, uh, it, it's not just about um, you know what what we believe, but what we believe that we will." affected by yeah I don't know if there's any better way to end this but do you have anything else you'd like to share before we close this time down um, I could talk with you for hours I, I know, know I, I know I, I, um, I guess um, I just want to challenge our listeners um, to be disciples and to make disciples um, and to let the Word and the Holy Spirit be enough to do that. Um, yeah. You don't have to have any certain qualification or specific talent. A lot of times people have talents, they just don't realize it. Um, yeah. But, um, you know, there it's time to start making disciples. It's time for, for the church to, to be the church. And I've been greatly encouraged here recently to find that I'm not the only one with this conviction. Um, there's several guys within the state here that have, are, are talking about... In the state of Mississippi. In, in the state of yeah. Mississippi that are talking about church planting, that are talking about training preachers, that are talking about um, trying to figure out some way to unite the state's churches to get behind this. And a lot of the churches, I think, are moving that direction too. So, um, you know, there, there can be revival if you will let there be revival in your own heart and uh, yeah and that's where that's where it starts so uh like i said 
we could talk forever and I could just go into preaching on <laughs> on all of that, but I'll, I'll leave it at that challenge. All right. Well, uh, Evan, has been really good to have this time with you yeah, and good. looking forward to going out and having some lunch with you here in a little bit. Yeah, and that sounds you good. You and Robert and, and your wives and... And uh, I, I just always, I, I, I just love my time with you. Kind of kind of upset I don't get to come back next year. It's your dad's turn. So, yeah, well. uh, But maybe, if I don't know if I'm traveling at that time. If I'm not, I may make the, the three, four-hour drive down here just to be yeah, in on, revival and, and listen to your dad preach some. But, but uh, I, I do appreciate you taking time to be with me. I know it's a busy week for you, a lot going on. But uh, thank you a lot. And I'd say to our listeners, as I always do, if this podcast has been encouraging to you i hope you'll share it with your friends and co-workers in christ and until next time this is evangelist tom weaver saying goodbye and may god pour down his blessings on you like a mississippi rain